All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Guys, episode number 10. This is so exciting. 10 episodes down. I've been loving doing this so far. It's been so fun. And if you're watching this, I actually have a new lighting setup. So I have a nice little mood light uh, that changes colors, which I'm super excited about. And just something to kind of change the vibe a little bit. So I have a really, really fun topic for today. I'm going to be talking about the history of women in fitness. It's something that's really fascinating to me. And I feel like as history has evolved, so too has uh, women's uh, place or women's, you know, role in working out and fitness and all of that bodybuilding, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So it's all really interesting to me. But before we get into that, I'm going to start off today with a little bit of alternative news for you guys. So if any of you are interested in finding alternative news or uplifting news, I would suggest checking out Collective Evolution. I find a lot of my stuff from there, and a lot of it is really insightful, different approaches, things that you wouldn't normally see in mainstream media. So the article that I found for you today is that more public schools are choosing meditation over detention. So meditation has been proven to assist schools with the stresses and pressure of schools that uh, young children face, and more schools are adding programs to teach kids meditation and mindfulness. So there's public schools in Pittsburgh now that are joining the growing number of forward-thinking educators by bringing mindfulness practices into the daily schedule for students. Some of these schools are opting to try meditation before detention, Uh, to get the results they are after, and they also try to kind of replace detention with meditation as well, which I think is really interesting. So there's a school in San Francisco, actually, that had really good success with this. So four years ago, they introduced something called quiet time, and they incorporated that into the daily regime, and that was basically like meditation time. So they noticed that there was a 79% decrease in suspensions and an increase in attendance to 98.3%, And an overall GPA increase by 0.4. So that is some mind-blowing information. There's some mind-blowing stats for you. There was a young student named Tobias that revealed that meditation helped him deal with his anger. And he even said, and I quote, before this, I always wanted to fight everyone for, for some reason. So I think that this is so amazing. And I think especially in a time right now when there's so much stress going on in the world, I can't even imagine being a child and trying to navigate this crazy climate that we're in right now. I think that meditation is something that could really help a lot of kids kind of channel their stress and their anxiety and everything that they're kind of feeling and being bombarded with in a really healthy way. So if you're interested in reading this article, as always, I will leave the link into the description for you to kind of look at on your own. But let me know, what do you guys think of this? Do you think that meditation is something that could replace detention? Do you think that that's a good move? I would be very curious to hear your opinion. All right, so we're going to segue, we're going to switch gears a little bit today into our topic, which is the history of women in fitness. So this is something, like I said earlier, that's really interesting to me, and I kind of feel like historically women didn't really play much of a role in working out. I mean, you think about think about ancient times, think about back in the 1700s when women were wearing those crazy dresses with those huge skirts that like billowed out and women wearing corsets and everything and kind of just throughout history, the woman's place always being as the the caretaker, you know, her place is in the home and, and kind of seeing that evolution of women sort of 
you know, counteract that and sort of step away from it is really cool. So I took a look here at the past 100 years or actually 120 years, rather. I don't know if anyone else does that does this, but for some reason, when I think of the 1900s, I'm like, oh, that's 100 years ago. Or when I think of the 80s, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 20 years ago. But the 80s is not 20 years ago. The 80s is like 40 years ago, which is so crazy to me. I don't know why that is, if it's because of when I was born. I was born in 1996, so I was right on the cusp of, you know, turning to 2000, the year 2000. I don't know. I just always think of those numbers like the 50s is 50 years ago, but like it's not. I know that it's not. I don't know. I just always think that in my head. But anyways, I digress. So I took a look here at every single decade, you know, leading up until now about what women did in terms of workouts, what they did in terms of fitness. And I found some really interesting stuff. And I also found some really gimmicky things, some pieces of workout equipment that are, in my opinion, a little bit questionable. So we're going to take a look at that as well. All right. So we're going to start off here with the 1900s to the 1920s. So light stretching was a really big thing during this time period, and there were a couple of pieces of machinery that were pretty popular as well. So you did have stationary bikes at this time. You did have rowers, but the best thing of all that I found is something called the Vibro Slim Belt. And I'm going to put a picture of that up here for those of you that are watching this. If you're listening to this on Spotify or any other streaming service, remember that you can always watch the podcast on YouTube as well. I'll leave a link to my channel in the description. But yes, this vibro belt, guys, is so crazy. So basically, it's supposed to do all of the work for you. So you stand on this platform and you put this belt on and it does exactly what it says. It vibrates and that's supposedly supposed to help you kind of lose your flab or whatever you want to call it. And these belts have been around for a long time and they're going to keep popping up here through the decades as we go along. And these belts, I think even still exist in some of the big box gyms today. I think I've seen them around. So yeah, there's a good chance you could have seen this somewhere, but yes, this was the big gimmicky thing of like the 1900s to the 1920s was these vibro belts. So keep an eye out for that as it comes. Also, really important to note that active wear at this time is very different from what we have now. So I'm in like an active wear shirt now. I'm sure most of you that are listening to this, you know, you wear your sneakers, your sports bra, your leggings when you go to work out. But back then, women wore high heels, skirts and dresses for their, for their exercise. I can't even imagine doing that. I can't even wear heels, honestly, let alone wearing them to work out. I struggle so much with trying to walk gracefully in heels and I don't know why. It's like not a cute look for me. So I usually just try to avoid them altogether. I mean, they look so good, but I just an hour in of wearing heels and my feet are like, yeah, we're done. Like take them off, you know? So yeah, really interesting that people were wearing that to work out back then. Yeesh, crazy. All right, so the 1930s to the 1940s. So I found some interesting stuff here from Harper's Bazaar. Again, as always, if you want more of this information, I will link the articles down below. But this is when workout classes started to become a major craze. So the cosmetic pioneers back then, so you had Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubinstein, they opened salons and they also sold women on the novel concept that their physical appearance was in their control. So women were kind of sold this idea that they could take their power back by controlling their appearance and by kind of sculpting their body into whatever it is that they wanted to, to look like. 
and very well-to-do clients were given instruction on skincare, cosmetics, and very gentle fitness regimens, which included light stretching, dancing, or rhythmics, as they called it. I don't know why I think that's so funny. And other movements mostly designed to improve posture. So at the time, the medical community didn't yet universally recommend exercise for women's health, but Arden and Rubenstein both preached that it was important for beauty and womanhood and that it could help a woman appear slimmer and more graceful. So again, kind of feeding into that narrative of how women should look. Cardio also slowly started to take off a little bit during this time. Women were jump roping back then a little bit, so good for them. Jump roping is always fun. Sweating also became a little bit more acceptable, so they finally uh, found a place in the gym. But back then, they actually referred to the gyms as reducing salons, which is like such a funny, funny, weird term, right? It's reducing salons, so it kind of just means exactly what it is, that they are reducing the fats on their body and they are gaining feminine strength. So also another interesting fact about this time period, again, keep in mind the 30s to the 40s, women were encouraged to get moving to serve a greater good. So in the same year that the U.S. entered World War II, the Civilian Defense Protective Services were launching and these women were training for their duties as members. So kind of coincided with the war effort there, which I think is interesting as well. Again, that's when we really started to see women kind of divert away from their typical roles of what they were expected to do. So that being said, we're going to transition into the 1950s now, not 50 years ago. Keep that in mind. So this was the age of celebrity boutique fitness classes. And anytime I think of the 50s and working out, I always think of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know if any of you have seen that show, but it's an awesome show on Amazon Prime and it takes place in the mid-1950s, I believe. And I just picture that scene where Midge, the main character, is working out with her best friend and they're doing these silly little jump rope kind of, or not jump rope, hula hoop motions in this workout class and how silly it looked and they're all in their pearls and their little heels. But yeah, that's what I always think about when I think of 1950s exercise. And interestingly enough, hula hooping was pretty popular at this time. It was considered a great form of cardio back then. And women were slowly starting to transition now to working out in more uh, what we would consider workout clothes. So we did start to see people switching a little bit over into leggings and leotards. But that being said... There was still plenty of gimmicky stuff that was going around in this time. So there was a really popular piece of exercise equipment back then. And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's called Las Picas. Las Picas. I don't know how to say that. I'll put a picture of this up if you're watching. But basically, it's two sticks with a non-slip piece of wood. And it kind of allows you to move in any which way that you want. So not really sure what the goal was with that. If they're looking for core strength. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, that was the huge gimmick of the 50s there was that little contraption. And stationary bikes started to re-enter the scene as well. So now we're going to fast forward ahead to the 1960s. So as the 60s progressed, people began embracing working out for reasons other than weight loss. So in this decade, the term aerobics that we're all familiar with now was coined by Dr. Kenneth H. Cooper, who was an exercise physiologist, and he developed a system of exercises intended to prevent coronary artery sickness. So that's really interesting. This is when people kind of started to see the connection, not only for men, but also for women between physical exercise and your overall well-being. 
So the 1960s also saw the birth of the modern bar industry. So pure bar classes like those. This workout was actually invented by Lottie Burke. I hope I'm saying her name right. Uh, She was a retired German dancer who combined ballet moves, yoga, and rehabilitative exercises to help herself recover from a back injury. So she discovered that this workout was really beneficial for her in staying strong and supple. And so in 1959, she opened a small basement studio on Manchester Street in London. And all throughout the 1960s, uh, she attracted a star-studded clientele and it really took off. And it's still around today. So there you have it. That was kind of the start of that. And now we'll move into the 1970s here. So the 1970s seems to be a really pivotal decade for women's involvement in exercise. This is when jogging really finally became popular. A lot of women started jogging a lot. And this is also when... Fun fact, jazzercise came into existence, and this is also jazzercise as it came to be was also the start of the trend of instructors wearing headsets or microphones while they're instructing these group fitness classes. So I know a lot of people associate jazzercise with the 80s usually, but it actually started off in the 70s. So that's kind of cool. Another thing that I found really interesting is that there were some classes back in the 70s that allowed mothers to bring their babies in with them, which meant that they didn't have to worry about a babysitter. They didn't have to worry about leaving their child somewhere unattended, which I think is really cool. I haven't really seen any fitness classes these days where you're allowed to do that unless it's some sort of special uh baby bonding experience. I honestly don't know, but I'd be really interested to see if that's still a thing today. I think that's a pretty cool concept. So now we'll move on to the 1980s. So this is the era of Jane Fonda. We are all familiar with the 1980s exercise scene. I mean, you think about how many Halloween costumes are out there, how many people dress up as the 80s workout girl. Um, I've definitely dressed up like that before. We all know what it looks like. The bright colors, the leotards, leg warmers, fizzy hair, bright eyeshadow, all that stuff, those headbands, everything that defined this era of fitness. So let's get physical. That was the theme of this decade. It also set a new beauty standard for women that kind of went against the grain of what women were held to prior. So historically here through some of the decades that we've talked about, it was kind of frowned upon for women to even sweat outside of their house. So I think it was back in around the the 20s and the 30s, especially that women were not ostracized, but essentially kind of frowned upon for sweating outside. That was something that was supposed to be private. That was something that wasn't considered feminine. So women had to work out in their homes. But then as we saw gyms open up over into the, to the 40s and the 50s, that's when it was more socially acceptable for women to sweat. So... I think that's really interesting. But this coincides with this new beauty standard that now strength is beautiful. So women kind of shifted their focus not just to losing weight, but also gaining strength. So group fitness classes totally skyrocket during this time period. And again, women went to the gym with the intention of gaining muscle for the first time really that we've seen so far throughout these decades. Again, that focus, that shift in goals kind of switched a little bit. And again, big box gyms here really gaining that momentum. You think about the 80s, all those group classes, the group workouts that were so popular. So the 1990s, we see the return of jogging becoming a popular form of exercise. Remember back in the 70s, jogging was really popular. So now it's coming back here in the 90s. And this was actually the 
dawn of the hideous joggers outfits, matching sets that uh, people are familiar with now. So I think that's really interesting. Lots of very bright colors, kind of in your face, very loud. Um, but yeah, it was a big part of that time period. And this is also when the aerobic stepper classes became all the rage. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. My mom still has the stepper to this day, but these were like iconic workout videos. I even remember watching them as a child on the VCR. My mom would have her little stepper and the ladies on there, you know, with the headband, the leotard, the leg warmers, everything. And you basically, you kind of just step to the music and you literally step out, uh, you know, you step away your your calories, you get your workout in that way. And I guess it's a good option for people that are, you know, somehow injured or have limitations. And that was really popular not only as a VCR, but also as group classes for people. So really, really interesting there. And this is also an interesting time because the 90s is when we slowly start to see that transition from the craze and the obsession of these group fitness classes to something that's a little bit more catered to a certain individual and their specific needs. So this is when personal trainers really start to enter the scene. People people want something more personal. People want something that's specifically made for them and what they can do. And to this day, I mean, personal trainers are still hugely, hugely popular. So it all started back in the 90s. That's when they really gained their traction. So now we're going to move ahead here. The dawn of a new century, the 2000s. Buns of Steel, guys. Buns of Steel was a, um, I think, let's see. Buns of Steel was a workout video that became really, really, really popular here at the turn of the century. So again, women wanted to tone, shape, and sculpt. And this workout video promised to do just that. Again, it pretty much looks exactly like it did in the 80s. It's just a little bit more of that kind of, you know toning that you will if you will also working out at home became popular too again so you have the return of working out at home people have these vcrs that they can follow along with you can work out in your house you can keep an eye on you know your house your children whatever it might be so again workout vcr videos becoming super super popular so that's early 2000s there again shifting focus women want to tone shape and sculpt and all throughout the 2000s Video workouts are hugely popular. So you have the likes of, like I said, Buns of Steel, early 2000s. As we start to go into the later 2000s, you have beach body workouts, dance along videos. You have Zumba, uh, Insanity, all of these big uh, workout video programs that people can follow in their house. And also, super iconic part of the 2000s is Taibo which is a martial arts dance fusion class. And this was all the rage guys. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know about you, but I feel like the most quintessential song of the 2000s is Drops of Jupiter. And there's that line in the song where he's like, checks out Moza while she does Tybo. So like it says it all there, right? Tybo, iconic 2000s workout. And again, you could do that in the comfort of your own home. I'm pretty sure they had VCR videos of that. Classes of that, again, group classes still hugely popular as well. So that was kind of the 2000s workout state of mind in a nutshell. So now we're going to fast forward to the 2010s. So we're getting more into recent territory here, which I'm sure y'all are all familiar with. So this is when the really trendy kind of group fitness classes like Soul Cycle, Y7 Yoga, Orange Theory, Barry's Bootcamp really start to become all of the rage. You have these stylish, 
sexy studios with dim lights and thumping beats and good music and and a, a workout that's given to you, somebody telling you what to do and you kind of follow along and it becomes very, very appealing to the masses. So this is when it really starts to take off. So again, that was hugely, hugely popular and it still is to this day. But things have shifted now. So let's fast forward here. We're at 2020, the start of another decade, guys. It's been a bumpy start, obviously. But it has definitely impacted where fitness has gone. Think about it. So the thing that's huge now for a lot of women is obviously working out at home because gyms are closed. But you have companies like Peloton that are totally dominating the game right now. Again, online workouts, things that people can access from home. So Peloton, you have all kinds of guided runs on there. Obviously, you have Peloton bikes, Nordic tracks, these smart pieces of equipment, too, that we can put in our house that can help us complete our workouts. So again, Peloton bikes, Nordic tracks, uh, Mirror Home Gym as well. That's also something that's been taking off. So I definitely see, this is my opinion and prediction, that for this decade, we're going to continue to see more of this in-house stylized technology that helps us get after our workout at home. So it's going to be an immersive experience. I do see more of that coming into play. And I don't I don't know what the future is going to hold for some of these big box gyms. I think it's definitely going to be affecting how we get our workouts done and what we do, but things will open up, you know, eventually. I don't know where you are listening to this, but hopefully things will open up soon. But I don't see any of this stuff going away anytime soon, that's for sure. These companies are absolutely dominating it, and as long as people are comfortable working out in their house, they're going to do this stuff. So, all right, and that is our travel through the ages of the last century of exercise and women's role in fitness and seeing how far women have come through the ages here. It's pretty interesting to me. I mean, you think back to the 1900s, like the early 1900s, especially I always think of the Victorian era. Think about how different how different society kind of... Um, accepts women now or allows us to work out. I don't even know how to really say this. I hope I don't offend anyone saying this, but basically women have come such a long way, especially in the space of fitness, that there used to be this expectation that women had to be kind of docile and only stay in the home and take care of children and cook and clean. And obviously we're capable of so much more than that. So it's really cool to see how over all this time, people have gone against the grain and also realized the health benefits of working out and the ways in which it can benefit us mentally and physically, and also coming to realize that we should do this for ourselves. I know that a lot of these time periods kind of associate it still with the stigma of this is going to make you look better. This is going to make you more attractive to a potential mate. And I think that that is a bit of an unhealthy approach to working out, and it is something that has been observed a lot. At least this is what I'm gathering from looking into this stuff, is that it was kind of done. Obviously, it was it was a very progressive thing to get women to even, you know, work out. But I think it also played into a role of always making sure that you had to be attractive and, and look a certain way and be a certain way. And if you're listening to this, if there's if there's any message that I want uh, to be taken away from this is that don't just work out for a physical thing. Don't just go to the gym or 
keep track of your macros or something because you want to fit into a certain pair of jeans or you th- you think that you need to look a certain way. So you're going to do a bunch of squats and then you're not going to do any, you know, other exercises because you want your butt to be lifted because you want to look a certain way. That's never going to lead you to the success and the sustainability and the happiness of knowing that you fully challenge your limits because you're serving something outside of yourself there. So again, if all you're known for is that you worked out just to just to get to the goal of having a shredded eight pack, then you're probably not doing it right. In my opinion, there has to be something deeper that motivates you. There has to be that drive to serve your entire being, right? Not just not just your physicality, but to to serve your body in the best way possible to honor this vessel that we're given. That's what I think. And examining this over time, it's definitely become apparent that we're getting closer and closer to realizing our full potential and, and waking up to that truth that yes, we can, we can do it all. You know, we can do, we can do it all. We can have the body, but we can also take care of ourselves and we can be strong and powerful And that is what I believe, guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. I surely hope that you enjoyed this episode. Had a lot of fun diving through the history of women in fitness. And I hope that you learned something from this. And if anything, if you want to read more about any of this, I will link the articles below. And if you want to check out some of these gimmicky exercise machines for yourself, you can do that. And I also might do another episode on some of these gimmicky things that people use for weight loss because there's a lot more, even not just, you know, back in the 20s or the 40s, but there's stuff that we've had in modern times too. And I'm sure you you can think of what I'm talking about, the as seen on TV junk, uh, that kind of promises results. But yes, that is all I have for you, my friends. Again, I surely hope that you enjoyed. If you liked this, please hit the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that notification bell as well. And if you're listening to this on any other streaming service, go ahead and hit the follow button so that you don't miss any other episodes. And with that being said, I'm sending so much love and light your way. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Adios. Adios.